Hello, Defy Gravity friends. How are you today? <laughs> I hope you're well. I hope you're learning and expanding and having an amazing day. It is a beautiful, sunshiny day in Michigan. You might hear some pounding in the background. There's some construction going on at our house. Uh, we're building a deck, so I'm excited to be able to sit outside and uh, take advantage of the beauty of nature. I am bringing today a talk with a buddy of mine who uh, we've known, a few, known each other a few years. He was originally a client and is now a friend. And this was such a great talk. We always have these great conversations and I really wanted to bring forth a male perspective, something we don't get enough of, I think. And uh, Joe is a great example of someone who is digging in and doing the work. And, you know, we were talking about the challenges of today's um, global awakening. And I wanted to bring you just some thoughts on other ways to manage it and come out of it on the other side. Uh, or even during it, for that matter, with a smile on your face. And um, yeah, so that we wanted to talk on perceptions. I hope you enjoy the talk. We'd love to get some feedback from you and uh, hear from you other topics that you might be interested in that you think might be beneficial or questions that you had. And I will look to bring forth people and information. I hope that will bless you and help guide you to dig inside, find your inner higher voice and connect with your divinity and harness that amazing power that you have inside because that's where true joy and happiness comes from. So I hope you enjoy this talk. Bye. Gravity listeners, how are you? It's Juliana. I am really, really excited about this conversation. Uh, I have with me Joe Dibley, who is, uh, was originally a client and now a good friend. And Joe and I always have these great conversations. So again, I want to bring you a fun and interesting conversation. And we talked about a lot of different things over the last couple of weeks because there's a lot of exciting, interesting, crazy, wild, different, new... <laughs> How many adjectives can we use for All what's going them. on in the world Fill right in now? Fill the blank. Every adjective you want. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and so we kind of narrowed it down to let's talk about perception. So, Joe, you um, say hi to everybody first. Hi, everybody. Uh, <laughs> it's fantastic to be here. I'm excited. I thank you, Juliana, for inviting me on. Um, yeah, like I said, we've been friends for a while, and we usually end up talking for, what, four or five hours almost yeah, every time probably. we get together. So. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Just how it goes. <laughs> so um, we wanted to talk about, like, the broad topic of perception. Because I right. think, And then part of it, what part of what kicked us off in terms of wanting to talk about perception is we've been, we were talking about our perceptions of what's going on in the world as individuals who are... Um, I'm going to use the word aw words awake and aware, right? Well, which we even looking into perception, which what mm -hmm. I like to do and given mostly a specific word is go ahead and jump into the definition. So yeah. I went ahead, went to Webster's, Merriam-Webster's and looked at the definitions of it. So okay. as we get into that, it will 
go more into that thought process of right. how your mind works. So when I looked up perception, it says the result of perceiving, which I <laughs> thought was yeah, pretty nebulous. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, also, a mental image, an awareness of the elements of environment through physical sensation. Mm-hmm. Physical sensation interpreted in the light of experience. Mm-hmm. Quick, acute, and intuitive cognition. Mm-hmm. And a capacity for comprehension. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. Um, I wrote down four key terms. I wrote down awareness um, because I, in the context of being awake to what's sort of happening, um, we have a different awareness of what's going on. Not really narrow view, pretty broad view. Right. Right? It's definitely more than, say, four or five months ago when I was thinking about me and mm-hmm. not worldly things because yeah. that wasn't my focus. Right, right. And awareness, I think, too, takes me to, as you mentioned, four or five months ago, Look, I was looking at maybe one or two key things on a regular basis. And now, because I'm gathering information uh, for the purposes of being aware of what's going on, not for getting caught up in the mire of it all, but be aware of it, right? Now I'm looking at eight, ten different sources of information and then every so often, and I, I say every so often, like every two or three days, like this is happening fast, there'll be a new one come into my awareness and I take a look at it and um, I then interpret what they're saying in the light of um, how, what my priorities in life are, what I like, yeah. what's important to me, yeah. uh, what I'm also hoping for That's been... to be the outcome that's been really fun. The more I've noticed, the more people that even I don't want to say influence, but anytime you hear another person's take on something, it does change your perception just a little bit more and mm-hmm. a little bit more. Um, that's with that whole light of experience. The more experience you mm-hmm. have, just you can you almost perceive. I don't want to say more things, but on a different spectrum. Yeah. Um, and then we looked it up together, and yeah. we saw that. Uh, what, what did they? They didn't say omitted. They said uh, obsoleted. Obsoleted. Yeah. <laughs> this was really interesting. They obsoleted the idea of consciousness from perception. From perception, which is really fascinating because there's just this conversation going on in certain circles, if you will, and I would say that circle is growing, of people that are getting more um, conscious and aware. Of what's going on and that's shifting their perception of what's happening yeah I was thinking the other day about how well how I perceive and literally the steps that I go through when I do it so mm-hmm. I'm like okay I'm perceiving well the first thing I'm doing is literally perceiving that I'm perceiving right. like I'm I see that I see <laughs> right I'm <am laughs> recognizing the fact that I am viewing something on I I don't want to say higher level, but it, it almost is because I'm, I'm taking a step up mm-hmm. from just that regular. More open. Yeah. Right? I'd say more open. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and if you took the four words out of the original, you know, the original definition, not the obsolete one, we'll get to that point. Right. But, but becoming aware of it, becoming aware that something has come into your 
field of knowledge, right? Um, interpreting it in the light of experience. So you talked about a story you heard about a young girl who was asked to take a medication and she didn't want to. Right. She went to her dad. Her dad gave her all the reasons she should take this medication. That was his perception. Right. Okay. But I'll use my own experience. My first response to the medication is, let's find out why, what's going on. And in my experience, how can we adjust certain lifestyle things, certain food things or environment things or um, activity things or whatever, so that maybe we aren't going to need it, be needing a prescription. Now, someone who is very supportive of that, their perception and their experience would say, just go that route. Right. Whereas the child questioned and said, I've become aware of this. I want to understand it better. Yep. And because like below the age of seven, we're kind of under this hypnosis thing. There's a psychologist who calls it a type of hypnosis in that the first seven years of life, we're just drawing information into ourselves and we're creating our perceptions of life based on that, which is all that's mm -hmm. given to us, right? It's our parents' perceptions, our grandparents' it is, perceptions. Yeah. It's the television programs they watch. <clears throat> it's the news that they listen to, whether they listen to Fox or CNN or they listen to something completely independent or... It's the people you're hanging around with, your, fa your family's friends, your yeah. the, the other kids at the park. I mean, the older kids at the park, you know, sure, who might sure. it be, but everything that you're... Whether you live in the city or the country, huge perception differences. Very much right? so. Um, so all of those things design our interpretation of the world, um, cognition, right? So that's becoming or, or thinking about those things and maybe using our, our thought processes to analyze it. Mm -hmm. That's cognition and then comprehension. So understanding it. And then from that comprehension, we make an application to the, to our world, right? Just, I, I can think even just the word comprehension, uh, Reminds me of how many times, and I mean, I can't even be specific about it, how many times I've heard something or seen something and didn't think anything of it or, yeah, that, that was a thing. And then years later, the comprehension came through Yeah. <laughs> of the, oh, that's... That That's makes that so was. much more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> right? When it, it, I can't even be specific because it's happened so many times right. of just that. But if I didn't have the perception, mm -hmm. couldn't even do it in the first place. Well, and I just was reminded, we have a, the reticular activating system. So with the RAS system, as they call it, um, here's, the, here's the best example, right? You buy a blue Mustang. The next day, everywhere you go see blue Mustangs. Yep. Because your reticular activating system has now removed the filter for that thing. Mm -hmm. So if you have a filter that says you only see pe people of a certain, that wear a certain type of clothing, right? Or you only see buildings that are a certain color. Yeah. Or, um, you know, and this perception can go across broad, many different things, right? So if you only filter for those things, you aren't going to see the rest of that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I almost think of that as uh, doing a magic eye when you like mm -hmm. fuzz your eyes and then find the the thing. You know, you're like, I don't know, picking out. You're filtering out that yeah. that whatever it is. Um, one of the things that I have written down here uh, that I've worked on my perception with and mm -hmm. with the, uh, what you were just talking about, I've worked on my own perception to where. I find something attractive. 
Right. There is something attractive about every single person. Yeah. I pay attention to that mm-hmm. and make sure that every time I see somebody new, not even meet, see, mm-hmm. I'm like, there's something attractive about that person. Right. There's something attractive about so- like in some way. Mm-hmm. And that has made it a heck of a lot easier to deal with people. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a huge perspective <clears throat> shift because if you – yeah, you, you've taken the filter off that says they have to meet a certain criteria mm-hmm. and said all people have value and worth. Yep. That's amazing. What a super cool perception of life. It's fantastic. Yeah. And that stems from, uh, I don't remember, I was back in the day as a kid and I'm just thinking, how cool is it that we exist right here, right now? What are the chances, like one in 400 trillion is the chance you'll be born as this person in this time in one aspect look (laughs) at the earth and where it sits in relation to the sun and all the other planets that exist in a way that we can be the right distance to where the planet can actually warm up and cool down just enough for us not to burn up or freeze right that's incredible that's amazing i don't remember i was probably like six or seven when i had that thought and i was like what right? that's so neat yeah that's so cool and then yeah, yeah let alone the fact that your parents met and mm-hmm. how many chances was that of right. you being born or not being born yeah like that's incredible just to even think so i like to every once in a while pause and think about that and just mm-hmm. go wow i am super grateful to even be here right now mm-hmm. right because it's it's awesome yeah, the perception, well, here's another uh, example that just popped into my head. You know, we see an acorn on the ground and we go, hmm, I'm just making it. But that acorn becomes an oak tree that could stand 100 feet tall or if and for, shade a whole house. Or for a squirrel, it can be food for the winter. Absolutely. Depending on, you know, mm-hmm. where you're coming from with it. it's Or for scratch, it's the ever, <laughs> you can't ever get your nut, right? There's, there's never enough. <laughs> Always one more. That's Scrat from Ice Age, by the way, for those who don't know <laughs> the movie. <laughs> Scrat never seems to get never. Poor acorn or squirrel. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, we've got this sort of really cool opportunity to perceive the world in a very different way. Um, and I think we, what I see is this perception of the, the world is how we're responding to what we consider to be a crisis. I see, yes, there are challenges. The deaths are hard. It's difficult to lose people. Absolutely. The opportunities are that we can rethink in this time of eight weeks of being sequestered from the rest of the world. We have this opportunity to rethink how we see the world, how we approach the world, how we come back into the world. And we go, you know what? I was a really stressed out, not so friendly, unhappy person. I want to come into the world as someone who sees people for all the good things that they've got available to them. Like all the amazing things that contribute to the world. The beauty that they have. The kindness of their hearts. Or even the potential that they have. They might not fulfill that, but they have it. They have it. Everyone has that potential. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But I think we don't, whether we live our potential or not, is at some level our perception of scarcity versus abundance. It's our perception of opportunities given versus opportunities created i feel like those are trained perceptions and or Mm. programmed perceptions not necessarily uh 
inherit. Yeah. Because I look at look at one through seven year old kid mm-hmm. running around without a care in the world. Yeah. They, they can be anything. Yeah, they didn't worry about money or mm-hmm. jobs or uh, you know the I, I don't know. I worry all that less and less, so I don't know what normal people <laughs> worry about anymore. <laughs> I don't. Well, you have what to, did I used to worry about? But you shifted your perception to the the world is an abundant place. Right. It will will provide for me what I need and what I'm asking for, versus a world the world is a scarce place and I have to work incredibly hard and no matter how hard I work, I'm never going to get anywhere. Yes. So when I yeah. was like that, it was a little harder for. Uh, Things to happen. Maybe a bill or two would be late, or mm-hmm. um, what were we gonna do for food stuff? So mm-hmm. we're going through the change drawers, trying to collect it all and throw it down the the coin star. Right. Um, definitely after realizing how much abundance there is and how something I like to tell my friends is, you've always been taken care of. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have a place to live right now? Mm-hmm. Do you, Do you have food? You have amazingly always been fed, and you have food and you're yeah. you're here right now and yeah. maybe you know you've been through some rough times but you're still here mm-hmm. like yeah so you're gonna get through because you have to yeah well then gratitude is about perception right i believe so you know i i went through a lot of years of um, bemoaning my life um i made really good money we weren't millionaires, but we made good money, right? Mm-hmm. I had a I had a job that I got to do some cool stuff. I got to travel a bit on the company dime. That was great. Yep. Um, I had cars at a discounted rate because I worked for Ford Motor Company. We had a nice house and a good neighborhood and good schools for the kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Wanting for nothing. And I was miserable. <laughs> Wanting for nothing. Wanting for nothing. Miserable. Miserable. And as I... As I identified myself as miserable and then identified that my perception of that needed to shift, the gratitude practice that I started with, I remember the first day I was like, okay, I am grateful for... Yeah. Because my perception was I didn't have a nice enough house. I didn't have a new enough car. I didn't have enough money mm-hmm. in the bank. I didn't have this. I didn't have and that. And those were the conversations every day, weren't they? Every day. In and my they head. were the conversations I woke up thinking about with yourself. Yeah. And then and they happen to be conversations with your coworkers. Yeah. And then they happen to be conversations with your friends. Yeah. And right. Yeah. So the perception was there wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even like I, I was reading an article one day about people that live off $2 a day and I thought, I am I have no reason to be miserable. It wasn't even about that because that truly is, I mean, we are incredibly blessed in this country. Absolutely. Beyond measure. <laughs> um, and in many other countries for that matter also. But I remember reading these stories afterwards about people that have very little who are happy as can be. Mm-hmm. Um, because their perception is that their life is very full and abundant. And so I, sh- I, I, sh- I started with a very simple gratitude practice that was like, I'm thankful that I can walk. I'm yeah. thankful that I have electricity. I'm thankful that um, there's food in the refrigerator. <laughs> it's cliche, but every journey starts with the first step. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very cliche, but li- like that's it. Yeah. That is how it works, is yeah. to just, even if it has to be the most basic thing of, 
ungrateful to to be alive right now yeah it's that's it that's that's a start that's a yeah. fantastic starting place yeah um <laughs> probably i don't know how many years ago but i was very similar at work mm-hmm. um i still work in the same job in manufacturing and i Every day, it was the same thing, like, oh, this job sucks, this is terrible, I hate this, why am I even here, I don't get paid enough money, I do too much work for the money that I make, <laughs> like, all of this just ridiculous, and uh, I, my gratitude practice was going into work every day and thinking about one nice thing, I was going to think about one good thing for every single person that I work around. Nice. And that was really hard. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Like digging for nice stuff. <laughs> like, oh, that guy makes me crazy. Okay, I gotta find something. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, but eventually, I was able to think about something nice about everybody at work and just see these things in them that I could tell they didn't even see in themselves. Yeah. And without doing, without doing anything to them. Uh, to anybody else other than changing my own thought processes work has been a fantastic place to be yeah and I have seen people really change themselves too and I can't say it's me because it's not it's them they made the decisions Mm -hmm. but they did see me go wow you're you're a lot happier than you were what's up or or not even recognizing it in that sense they would just have conversations with me and I could tell that they got something out of it. Right. I think subconsciously we begin to speak with more graceful, more uplifting kinds of languaging, mm-hmm. right? And, and whether we conscious, I, I had to consciously do it. Candidly for a long time I had to consciously do it. I still sometimes do. I have to consciously be like, okay, all right, say, say nice things. Oh, I, was, I, I spent three and a half years in the military, and I work in manufacturing. Right? It's, it's, uh... okay. But did you – so you saw a shift in how your coworkers interacted with you as well. And with each other. Yeah. And just awesome. in general and in their own lives. Right, right. And think about – I mean, you can think about that in family terms. Like if you sat down and you thought about your family members and thought – I'm, I'm going to give each of my, I'm going to write down two good things about each of my family members. And I've, I've done it as well in my future journaling. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so thankful that my relationship with my husband, da, 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 like all the good things that we want to have, um, have come about over time. Um, but it started with me, you know, for me, it was, I've got to, I've got to get my heart right mm-hmm. and how I perceive people and how I see them right. Um, because I was, I was very judgmental and that came out of the way that I was shown the world Mm -hmm. was in a very judgmental light. Um, I think about Ho'oponopono. So I think you and I have talked about Ho'oponopono. So for those who don't know, Ho'oponopono is a, it's a prayer of sorts that is a clear I call it the clearing of static between you and another person or you and an event and it's about taking responsibility for your energetic emotional contribution to whatever that situation is and clearing out that energetic static so 
Um, it's, you know, I'm sorry, I love you, please forgive me, thank you. Or you yeah. can do it in any order, but it usually ends with thank you. I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. And you're taking that on internally, and you're doing that internal um, sort of washing of that static and all that yucky emotion, um, which because we know that we share this emotional energy when we're in proximity with each other. Actually, we don't even have to be in proximity. Yeah. Thanks to quantum <laughs> physics, well. we don't actually have to be in proximity with people to exchange energy with them. Um, that's a whole nother conversation, right? That's multiple <laughs> conversations. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> For those who don't know, look up quantum entanglement. That's a great start. Or the string theory. Oh or there's all kinds of them you could look up. Um, but then when that static isn't there between you and that other person, it allows for a better interaction. Absolutely. And then it is easier to perceive them as the, the, the spark of divine creation that they are and that their experience is exactly what it needs to be. And your experience is exactly what it needs to be. (laughs) That's a fun point to touch on too. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And that's a perception piece of it, right? Because we can see all the horrible things that are happening or we can perceive the opportunities. Well, if you want to, if you want to see them as horrible things, Mm -hmm. I don't see anything as a horrible thing. Mm, True. As I was saying, I'm not really sure about fear anymore. Mm. I was telling you earlier, I was standing there in my living room, petting my cat, just completely calm right? and still other than petting my cat. And I was just, just this amazing wave of, The, the most joyous nothing matters that I've had in a long time, and it was fantastic. That's awesome. So I want to circle back to Perception. I want to circle back to consciousness because there was another piece of that definition that ties in with what you were just talking about. So this is a little bit we'll have to like break this down a little bit because the way it's worded is really strange. Yeah. But under the obsolete <laughs> perception definition of consciousness which is far from obsolete, if anything, and I think it's perfect for what's happening right now, is upper level of mental life of which the person is aware as contrasted with unconscious processes. Like, that is the weirdest wording I've ever seen. Like, that is really strange. Like, Shakespeare would have gone, let's rewrite this. Yeah, let's do that again. Right, And, and he worded things very interestingly. But it's this contrast between the conscious and the unconscious processes. So unconsciously, we approach life in a judgmental perspective because that's our programming, right? I believe so. Judgmental, see the fear, see the terrible things, and it is reinforced with the messaging of school keeping up with the joneses watching the television and all of these shows that they have of like this is how it should be or you know this is the example of what a family is or Mm -hmm. uh this is well this is how we think it should be but this is how we think you we we want you to think it should be right yeah exactly it doesn't have to be that way it's exactly how you want it to be right but then you get that fun discernment of is that my thought or is that a thought that somebody has put into my head i i had this uh, when once i was awake right um and sort of taking a step back off of things and analyzing them from a a a fifty thousand foot level as we used to say in corporate america i want to look at this from the fifty thousand foot level sitcoms to me are 
the because they bring it in under comedy, it lets our guard down, right? I got something to say about okay. comedy. And so comedy lets our guard down. Yep. We become less aware and less analytical. And it, all of this programming flows in. And sitcoms, to me, have become the example of bad behavior mm. Yeah. across the board. How to deconstruct your family and make it dysfunctional. Yes. The, the show Modern Family, hilarious show, a lot of dysfunctional stuff. Right. A lot Very. of bad behavior, mistreatment, anger, etc. Um, and so we pattern it, and we pattern, we see it in our lives, our how our families are dysfunctional, which we think is hilarious. And it's normal that we fight with each other, we treat each other bad, we're whatever. Um, kids disrespect parents, and parents disrespect kids, and. We think that's all normal because our guard was down and we were programmed to believe that that's normal. And I'm not saying it should be normal. What I'm saying is that we need to figure out what functional and happy is for our own family. Yes. It's a very... Not based on the perceptions of others. It's a very individual thing. Yeah. What makes me happy is not the same thing that makes you happy. Mm -hmm. That's that's absurd to even think that. Right. So <laughs> why would we? why would we think that what makes you happy makes any everybody else happy yeah and i'm not saying i don't watch sitcoms i do oh yeah i'm not I saying think they're I don't. hilarious but, but i do not pro i don't allow that in this programming so it you talk about what makes people happy so my brother mm -hmm. you know we grew up pretty standard middle class suburban family uh in metro detroit and we went to good schools and we both went to college and we both got jobs um, I now live on a wooded property and we're planning for a big garden and to be as sustainable as possible and to have as light a footprint on the planet as possible. Now, mind you, our house is probably bigger than it needs to be, but it's, it's how it apparently is supposed to be. Um, and so we're trying to, we're, we are comfortable here with, in our space. Mm -hmm. My brother could pack his whole life into a backpack and he now lives in Hong Kong in this itty bitty tiny apartment itty bitty tiny apartment wow. in hong kong and so he's satisfied and comfortable with his life and then you just don't understand that at all and i'm like that would be miserable <laughs> for me and i'm satisfied and comfortable with my life and all he can think is you have too much stuff right you're not mobile enough that's, yeah, that's <laughs> but you know he, he chose a different way and i don't judge him for that that is his choice and if he's happy in doing that more power to you god bless you on your own. Mm -hmm. My frustration with my brother is that he still <laughs> lives with my parents in the basement. <laughs> um, is he going to hear this? Maybe. Uh, <clears throat> which I have been working on not being judge, judgmental about that because that's, you know, that's on him. And that's by all means. That's all, I, I love him regardless. You know, do you. Um, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me, and it's not something that I could do. So, uh, like I said, it's something that I've like thought about, and really, I judgment for me is something I feel like I really have to pay attention to and work on. Um, and that's why, when I look at people, I think these you know, people are attractive. There's something good about them mm -hmm. because I know how judgmental I can be. Yeah. The conscious programming 
a subconscious programming is compare yourself to others and make a judgment upon that. I feel like a lot of it came from growing up in a religious family as well mm-hmm. and having a lot of that you're not good enough and you're never going to be good enough you're right. not perfect there's no such thing as perfect um and i think that's always been kind of a something that i use to compare that i don't need to mm. so i hold this standard sometimes uh to of perfection right and i don't need to do that i need to not have any judgment and let it right. flow because I heard this, I don't remember if it was like Titnat Han or Buddha or I don't know who it was, but um, that the true definition of compassion and love, or compassion is loving somebody with zero judgment. Woo. <laughs> I mean, talk about something to strive for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, loving someone with zero judgment, which means you accept them completely and wholly as they are. No buts. No buts. <laughs> that's a period. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty intense. It is. It goes back to what's our perception, though. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I perceive if I've been taught that somebody, if I've been taught that somebody doesn't go to college, then they are not smart enough then my, I would judge them as less intelligent because they haven't gone to college without having a conversation with them at all, right. knowing nothing about them. Right, absolutely. But I can promise you, because I know a lot of people who now who haven't gone to college, there's some pretty darn smart folks in that group. Yep. So having a, a diploma on the wall does not determine intelligence. And so my perception that I was programmed with was incorrect. Right. And well, and with that, you've met plenty of people who have diplomas. <laughs> that, well, yeah. <laughs> that, maybe even doctors, and you're going, how? That might need more awareness, more cognition. And I always hope that, I mean, because again, I want to have a best perception I can about people is I always hope that their journey will include awareness and cognition and experience. Yeah. But I also know that it is not Mm. my job to influence their journey. Man, that's a toughie. And they may not get there the way that I want them to. Or the way that you did. Or, yeah, Mm -hmm. a different way because... We're all so individual and everything's so specific to us. Absolutely. It's like the the most fun, frustrating thing. I can't tell you how many people have asked questions and I just go, I don't know. I can only tell you what works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can't tell you. I can't give you that answer. Um, even if I have a lot of information on something, if somebody asks me something, I'm just like, it, it, you're going to have to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Uh, I have a buddy at work. We talk all the time about working out. Um, mm-hmm. I have a love-hate relationship with it. Um, <laughs> he does as well, and his reasons are different than mine. Mm-hmm. And it every single time or almost once in the conversation, every conversation is, it's going to be individual. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be what works for you, and it's going to be what works for me. It's mm-hmm. not – there is no – blanket anything that fits everybody no it's just it's not a thing that isn't um yeah perception sometimes becomes ideology and when you when you pull yourself into ideology 
you've now shut down, in my opinion, analysis, cognition, input, experience, because we can easily negate incoming information if it doesn't fit the narrow paradigm of ideology. I know this to be true. Now, you might give me facts that are truth, but if they don't fit the ideology, my perception is that you're telling me lies. That's an interesting one. So then later, if you, if your ideology changed, mm -hmm. you would then have one of those moments of clarity mm. from that time. But then if time is really... Mm -mm. Don't get into that. Don't go there. Physics, Don't go there. Uh, you know, and, and I think what we're seeing a lot of, you know, my perception of what we're seeing a lot of is this positioning based on ideology um, and ego and ego and not, I don't think it's even in a protective manner. Um, it's, I've been trying to figure out exactly where the, because there is some hard and fast positioning happening that is based on perception, not based on incoming information. Because mention, I mentioned earlier that every day or two I have a new piece mm -hmm. of new like input yeah. is because I've opened up and said, I want input. I want information. And it, I've even had to pull up off of because I, I had a perception of I was getting a little ideology, uh, ideological about certain things. I had to pull up off of that mm -hmm. and go, okay, wait a second. Is this actually the truth or is there more information to be brought in? And as soon as I opened up, more information came in, which expanded my knowledge on it and pulled me further away from ideology, which um, I, I would hope, I would love everybody to get to that point, but boy, how do we make decisions? Like uh. Uh, there has to come a point when you go, this is, this is where I'm going. And the ideology stops conversation, right? My perception is what you've told me doesn't fit my paradigm. Right, so I'm not going to listen to you at all. Or I'm going to talk over you mm -hmm. or talk louder than you. Mm -hmm. um, or do my shopping list in my head. Right. <laughs> we're, just, we're done now. I'll stare at you, but I'm really that, that was the, not listening to you. Um, and that's, that's hard because... hard because we really want I think we as individuals want to share and help other people expand yes I think we do and I I hope I come from an open-hearted position that says I want to share this information for you so you can make a decision for yourself right yeah I would absolutely hope that yeah. because I wouldn't want to I don't want to I don't want to change anything about anyone else. Right. I want you to change yourself the way you feel is the best for you. Right. But I, I don't want to change you. I don't yeah. want to change anybody. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, we could go on forever. We um, could. We could go on forever. So, um, just thinking about what can we recommend people do by way of shifting perspective. Well, like we said, the first, recognizing that you have perspective in the first place. Mm -hmm. So you're, 
you're recognizing that you have thoughts and they're coming from somewhere. And hi, Maya. <laughs> yeah, my dog is up here too. So she just woke up from a short nap. Um. So yeah, like I uh, like what worked for me mm-hmm. is all I can say uh, as far as what I know and like I have said that is the the it is it is weird to even say like oh be positive mm. but it's and it's and it's not it's not that that cliche and haha you know just be positive it's it is kind of you it, it takes work mm-hmm. it's going what is a good thing that came out of that yeah i will find one good thing mm-hmm. i wrecked my vehicle a couple of months ago mm. and so a lot of people would be you know freaking out and oh my goodness this is terrible and i never once had a sad thought about it or right. a uh fearful thought or any type of a negative thought even though it was a potentially negative situation right the whole time i was okay, what do I need to pay attention to more? Yeah. Obviously my driving. Mm-hmm. Right. That's helpful. <laughs> I, I, you know, no distracted driving. Don't <laughs> grab your phone and change the music while you're driving. Like, right. That, that is. Yeah. Um, and then obvi- more than that, I was a little overloaded with other things that I was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. And it gave me uh, the clear sight to stop a lot of things and reflect on myself. Yeah. But it wasn't negative. Even though it was a negative, could have been a negative thing. Mm-hmm. I just I would challenge anybody to think of anything that you can positively, mm-hmm. or in some sort of a positive light, or one good thing about something. Yeah. Even harder, if you want to make it a really hard challenge, go find that that one person who you disagree with. That person you disagree with at work or that person that you see and for whatever reason they just rub you the wrong way. And just go, all right, what's one good thing about them? Mm-hmm. It might take you a long time. Yeah. I know there were some people when I was going through my list of people that it was it was two hours. Two hours about thinking about one person trying to think, okay, what is one good thing about them? Mm-hmm. Like, come on, there's got to be something good. And I couldn't perceive a good thing because it, mm-hmm. it wasn't there. But because I said I would, I paid attention to it. And there's more than one good thing about people. Right. But there is at least one. There is at least one. You know, the person that you, the person you work with or spend time with who maybe is the one you see is annoying because they, like they're on the same topic over and over and over and over and over again has a great level of persistence. And in that persistence, you might find a skill set that you need. Like you need someone to be persistent about getting a specific task done. So having been a manager, um, as I got a little bit better about people skills, um, I would then take a look at, okay, this person is particularly good at this, which can get really annoying. Like I I ran quality and so I had Mm -hmm. inspectors. Yeah. Right? I wanted the inspectors who were like a dog on a bone, which drove the guys on the manufacturing floor kind of crazy sometimes. But how many rejected parts did you have? Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, <laughs> how efficient stop, were you? 
the thing that used to get to the end of the line and would spend two hours of rework got fixed at station and never had to be reworked again. Yep. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's an example of the person in station learned how to do their job better through all that annoyance. And uh, because I had taken a person with a specific skill set for being very persistent and said, fix that thing. And it made things better. So that, that's been amazing. And I think that's incredible. Um, I might add be intentional with your gratitude, which is along the same lines. You're, but even like on days when I thought I was having a really difficult day and I was working to shift my perception and my intention, mm -hmm. if I were like, like I was frustrated and I'd be walking around outside, super mad. And then I would remember, okay, wait, I got to be intentional about finding something good about today. And then I would notice my tulips had blossomed. Yeah. And I would spend time looking at my tulips and how beautiful they are and how the, you know, how the colors mix together and how amazing it is that it comes from that bulb under, under the ground in it. Every year it puts up this stem and it knows when to do it and it knows for how long to be there. And then it goes back in the ground and it stays there and it's quiet and then it comes back up again. Or the idea that that acorn has everything inside of it to, to be become an oak tree. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Those little butterflies that, you know, the little helicopter things that come out of the maple trees? Yeah. Like, how does that helicopter, which is like a thousand of them on the ground, know to throw a thousand so that two survive? Right. And those two become maple trees. It's just so Which cool. are incredible. But it was that intentional find something beautiful about today. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate cleaning the refrigerator. But at the end, I'm like, oh, look how good that is. That's awesome. That was worth it. Yep. I did that with my oven the other day. It was fantastic. It was worth it. It was. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. Just to shift your perspective by seeking the good. Mm-hmm. That's huge. What a great starting point. Yeah. Awesome. Good talk, really man. Fun. Thank you. Thanks. Defy Gravity is here for you, for your health, body, mind, and spirit, to bring you knowledge and education to empower you to own your life and be in charge of it. Come on in regularly for the knowledge that you need to support all of your life's objectives. I'm Juliana Sauber, traditional naturopath. And not only a survivor, but I've recovered and I'm living free of health challenges that kept me down for almost two decades. So I'm here to share with you the things that I did to regain my health and get my life back and bring people to you that will also help you and give you more information and more perspectives and that is the key to creating the life that you want so welcome to defy gravity subscribe come back regularly please invite your friends share this podcast find us on facebook and instagram because we are here to meet your needs <laughs>